Welcome to the GeoMob Podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Welcome back, everyone, to the GeoMob Podcast. Very excited about today's guest. We have Randy Meach with us. Randy, it's great to have you here because you have a very interesting new startup doing a POI collection called StreetCred. Possibly more, you'll tell us all about that, but also because you have a phenomenal history in geo. You were CEO of a company called MapSend that many listeners uh, will no doubt have fond memories of. Prior to that, you were CTO of MapQuest. Uh, you have a very deep geo background. So let's dive right in. Please introduce yourself. Great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's great. Great to be here. So yeah. So I, my name is Randy Meach. I am currently CEO of a company called StreetCred. We're focused on solving the global POI problem, which I think is one of the biggest mapping problems that, that we have. Before this, I was CEO of MapZen, which you know we can talk talk about a little bit. I I first discovered OpenStreetMap in about 2008 when I was at a company called Patch, which was doing local news and information. And, you know, one of the complaints we were getting from these local editors was like the Google map that was, you know, prominently displayed on every page sometimes didn't reflect their local community. There was a missing church or something like that. So that's when we discovered OpenStreetMap and got hooked. This is, yeah, I guess it was 2008. So it's been... Been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been 12 years now. And I really got into the concept of you know running your own map stack being able to style your own tiles having more control over that being able to fix a problem and have it be reflected immediately that was really the thing that, that hooked me yeah and then patch was acquired by AOL where I, as you mentioned I became CTO of MapQuest which was you know interesting timing the the month that I showed up was the month that Google Maps was starting to surpass MapQuest in traffic and I had spent an earlier part of my career at Google not in maps, but I, that was kind of ironic. So, you know, we did a lot with OpenStreetMap as a, as a strategy to ideally engage more developers and just get, you know, ideally better, more more comprehensive data in a more collaborative way. That was the that was basically the plan there. So, yeah, that was me in a nutshell. Well, fantastic. Let's dive right into to StreetCred because over the years at GeoMob, we've had many many different presentations and people talking about the challenge of POI collection and all kinds of different ways to do it, be it, you know, having a team of employees going out, being a, trying to do kind of automated stuff with image recognition, be it crowdsourcing. You know, there are many different approaches, but it seems you guys have a different wrinkle on it. So maybe t tell us exactly what's going on at StreetCred. Sure. Yeah. So we are creating what we call a marketplace for POI data. And it's, it's still fairly early, and you can see this playing out in metro-sized areas right now. We're very active in Indonesia. We have a, a pretty big ongoing data collection effort going in Jakarta, and we just expanded to two other major cities in Indonesia as well. Why Indonesia, if you don't mind me asking? I mean... Oh, sure. Yeah, it's all about partner demand, right? So when we first started, we, we wanted to get software in people's hands really quickly. So we started in New York City, where we're based. And that was great. We learned a lot. People had a lot of fun. We used Bitcoin prizes as incentives, right? So StreetCred is basically a game. If you can download it on iOS and Android, it works anywhere. It's available everywhere. But it's the most fun when we have a contest going for prizes. The, and the way it works is you create a place and we try to make it as easy and fun as possible to create a place. So it's minimal data like name, uh, business category, a photo, uh, in the location, including address editing. 
And okay, so, so wait, just what what types of things are people collecting? It's it's just businesses, or it's any type of. of Oh yeah. So we define it as anything you would, you would search for or navigate to like in a consumer mapping experience. So anything that you would, you know, expect to find in Google maps and, and navigate to that place, that's, that's what we're, what we're after. So it's a, it's, it's a business or it's something that's a storefront, not so much like a, a, like a company on the 30th floor of a building, but anything that you'd expect to be able to find in a consumer mapping experience. Okay. Got it. And, and so what? So then we start the game. And I so I walk around and I, I tag all these businesses and what I get points for doing that. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's gone through a few different iterations. But initially in New York City, yes, you, you would work for points. The, the other thing, and maybe this would be better to, to kind of go through the maps and story first. But when we first started, so I founded this with Diana Shkolnikov, my co-founder here, who was the head of search engineering at Mapsen. And we, you know, when we were there, we were beaten up on POIs so many times, you know, Mapsum was all open source, all open data. So we weren't not able to like augment POI results with any licensed data, which also isn't very good <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm sure everyone knows. Sure. So we really were, were we really wanted to, to solve this problem, like first and foremost, the other thing was you know mapson was all open source and all open data which is great many of the same team are same teams are still working on the same software and data projects at other companies and that's a huge success but we had this api that people were reliant on and you know if you ever have to shut one of those things down it's very it's very difficult it's a very painful process so it, we started in mid 2018 and we really liked this idea of decentralization so there, there was always a crypto, like a trustless aspect to it. And we weren't exactly sure what that was when we first started, but we started to build street cred as a way that ideally could be fully open, have data, you know, completely out in the open, have the software completely open, very similar to Mapsen, but have a compensation angle. And, and this is the thing that we weren't quite sure about when we started, but would this be our own native token? Would this be something that companies could fund like for, for specific areas of the world where they wanted to see better POI data. And then local users could then earn those tokens for creating that data. That's what we initially started with. But that is there's so many different reasons why that's really complex and maybe longer term if, if, if ever. So when we first started, we started to use Bitcoin mainly just to test the user's willingness to, to do this type of work at all for, for crypto. So that's, yeah, that's, that's part of it. So when we started in with, with New York City, if you created a place, we would require multiple other users who are not connected to you to come along and validate that place. And that's something oh, that we, we spent a lot of time on. We still, we still spend a lot of time on that because, you know, because there's compensation involved, there's a possibility for spam. And we just, we, we do a lot of work detecting that so that it can be as trustless as possible. I see. And how many people are participating? How many how many places are getting uploaded? Like and, and how much how much does someone get compensated for adding a restaurant or whatever or a store? Or, like, sure, like, yes. give, me, give me an idea of the scale here. Yeah. So we started in Jakarta in mid-March. We tend to be able to create about 25,000 POIs per month, depending on where we are. And it depends on a lot of different things. And we're, we're really, one of the main things that we try to optimize is the size of the leaderboards and the prizes. And we've done a, a number of different things and tried to learn from this. Early in New York, we had a hundred person leaderboard 
And we created, I think it was about 20,000 places in the space of a month. But like any any Wiki-like project, you know, the, the top users are doing most of the work. So we noticed that the top 20 users in that case were doing, were creating most of the of the data. So we've we've you know contracted the leaderboard a bit. In Jakarta, we have just over 80,000 POIs at the moment. And that, that started in, in mid-March. And some users get really excited about this. And you can actually see the public leaderboards. If you go to streetcred.co, there's a leaderboards link. And then you can you can go to the regional leaderboard and you can see the active areas we have, which are now three cities in Indonesia. And what's the motivation of these users? I mean, they're doing this because they want to earn the money or because it's fun and they're into the game or or who who are these people? It tends to be both. So what we what we learned from New York City was we initially thought of it as work, right? We were thinking that you were going to be working to create this data, like almost like mining POIs from the real world kind of thing for, for some kind of, you know, crypto incentive. That's what we we're initially thinking. But the yeah. feedback we got was that people, they loved the competitive aspect. Sure, they, they loved the, the crypto compensation aspect. But like when we would meet people, they the biggest piece of feedback we had was they loved watching the leaderboard. They loved, you know, taking over somebody's place by, you know, they loved trying to strategize about how to get the most points. They loved the social aspects of it where they could go out with people they knew in some cases. And especially, this, is, this has been really consistent feedback. They love exploring their neighborhoods better, which is just which is fascinating. So people, we always get this feedback, like I found a new restaurant or I didn't know this barbershop existed around the corner for me. You know, so there's there's many it starts out with the incentives, but there's all kinds of other benefits that come along. Our, our product vision is something where doing this is fun and sometimes rewarding. And it's not like we, we don't want this to be a pay per POI or, you know, like work you know, gig work type of thing. We'd rather have a product that people enjoy and have fun using and are compensated in ways that they find like exciting. But it's we don't view it as like driving, you know, Uber or Lyft or something like that. That's that's what we're trying to do product wise. We're not totally there, but that's what we're going for. How do they actually go about entering the POI? They're entering text into an app or they're, you know, taking pictures and you're you're the app has some intelligence in terms of figuring out the location from the, the metadata of the pictures and you're analyzing the photos or, or yes. what, what's the purpose all, there? All of the above. So yeah, there's an app okay. available on iOS and on Android and uh, you create an account and we current, we actually just released OpenStreetMap authentication. So because it's a contest, we, we've used third parties for, for auth just so we can have some some other idea of, of who these who people are. So you, mm-hmm. you log in with Facebook, Google, OSM, or Apple, and then you get you can go into this walkthrough, this tutorial about exactly how the game's played. If you are in a place where there's an active contest, you can it's it's a lot of fun, and you can see people active on the leaderboard. If not, there's a global leaderboard which you can interact with, but you're competing with these really motivated people uh, right now in in Indonesia and soon other places too. So you can you can get a sense of like of how it works, but the first thing you so the first thing that we've done is we've split up the world into these hexagonal tiles. So we use Uber's H three grid system, mm-hmm. and that you know so and that's at a at a precision. I forget what precision level it is, but each tile is just is around like three quarters of a kilometer square in area, and so it's the size roughly the size of a neighborhood. Like you could walk from from one edge to, to the other edge. And that's where that's the lowest level of gameplay. So these tiles, they almost look like 
you know, a board game tile, but you, the users compete by dropping cubes in these tiles, right? So if you create a place, you drop a cube. If you improve a place, you also drop a cube. So this is key, right? So we don't want to incentivize users to like create dupes. So we make it worth a, as much in the game to create a new place as it would be to improve an existing place. So if there's a restaurant near you and it, it doesn't exist, you can easily add it. But if it does exist, you get the same, you know, the same incentives basically for improving it. And that's really important because what, as you know, uh, one of the problems with POIs is the data is often out of date. Like you, you, you get a big data set and all these, you know, many places are closed right now, of course, with COVID, you know, every many more places are closed, and unfortunately, some won't reopen. So that that becomes more critical. So this game aspect allows us to get you know ideally real time data about you know when places are are reopening or when they're when they're closed. Everything requires a photo. That's been really key for us to help with spam detection. Uh, just you know because some some users you know you can you can tell based on like exit data or just general photo data that they're not where they where they say they are oh i see and then we use a lot of other techniques to try to figure that out as well which incidentally we learned at, at mapsen when our tools were being used to do similar things to pokemon <laughs> to pokemon go so we, we have a lot of experience with that yeah you make a good point about the the virus and and the fact that that basically everyone's poi data is now out of date so have you seen more demand then from people on the other side or who who are the customers of this data like who who needs this type of poi data and how are you how are they what, what's their opinion of your model sure yeah we've been really busy like when this happened with a lot of companies i mean you know, it, it's just the, the whole business climate now is is pretty bleak. But amazingly, but because of those reasons, we've, we've been very, very busy in terms of, you know, getting new pilots off the ground and starting up new cities. So we, you know, our initial efforts, every effort we've done, um, except for the first one, which was a test, has been with a partner. And those partners, usually they're under NDA. One partner that we had that w- where we did marketing together was Esri. This was for an NYC and LA mapping exercise we did later last year. But but usually there are companies that have this map data, data set, they want it to be really good. They're frustrated by the quality of the data that they can buy. They, they kind of like the new, the new model aspect of it, or they want different types of data that you don't usually get in a POI data set. Like for example, we, our platform allows allows us to, to say, hey, take a specific type of photo of say a wheelchair ramp or get a few different photos of the exterior to you know build a 3D model of the place if that's something someone's interested in. Like so, so can the customer then set different prices for you know what we really want this type of data so we're willing to pay more for that kind of thing is that is that how it works that's what we want to do eventually in the early days it's been more you know as we get to to a platform like we like this idea of a marketplace where a customer doesn't have to interact with anyone and they go in and they they select the area where they want they select the data types and it just all happens automatically we're not quite there yet we're still in this in this phase of you know rollouts in metro areas that we that we manage pretty closely but we're looking at automating all of that stuff and that's that's the ultimate goal ultimately yeah we'd love for this to be an on demand data platform where you you know spin up you know you you can inject incentives into into tiles anywhere in the world 
and a user base like comes up to to claim that by giving you the data you want. That's what we're trying to do. How much are the participants earning? Like, is there are people doing this? They get some beer money, or or is this something they can like actually like sizable amount? Or, or? yeah, we've we've experimented with with all different thing, things like this. So initially in New York City, we we had a fifty thousand dollar prize pool that was distributed across a hundred people on the leaderboard with. The top winner earning the top winners would earn significant money, like hmm. I think I feel like it was around eight thousand dollars or so. This was then this was a month long contest, right? So they had to be incredibly engaged for the course of a whole month. And our top users would create two hundred places per day, and then they would validate other places. So it was a tremendous amount of work. We we've we've changed quite a quite a bit. Right now, the contests are week by week, right? Because you know, a month is just too long to like engage and not be sure what's what's happening. You know, like you know, we we found we find the gotcha. to be to be a lot better for Jakarta. The way that we design the leaderboard, which is a ten person leaderboard, we wanted it to be that such that if you won the top prize every single week, it would you know roughly add up to like what could be a reasonable income for the, wow. for the area. Okay. So that that that's but but that's just the top prize. The lower prizes, it's more of like you said, it, it could be more like a meal out or something like that. But yeah, that's how we've been working with this. We're just starting to work with some different academic groups to try to optimize this. There's been a lot of interest in crowdsourcing and incentives, and there's a lot of academic interest in that as well. So we're, we really want to try to you know do more work there to figure out what makes the most sense. Okay. What's the relationship then of the project with OpenStreetMap? Does any of the data flow into something like OpenStreetMap or no? It, it's strictly proprietary at that point. Yeah, sure. So I, career-wise, I am not a big flow into, I, I like to support OpenStreetMap in some way, but not just put data into it for a number of reasons, including the fact that OpenStreetMap folks usually don't like like it when companies put sure. <laughs> dump a bunch of data into, into it. So what we've done is, we've exposed a vector tile layer licensed for use with OpenStreetMap. So I, I really like, I, I like Mapillary a lot. I like their approach in terms of, you know, becoming a user of Mapillary. And then we will license the imagery, that, you know, this is before Facebook. I'm not sure what's happening now, but, sure, sure. but you know, you, you can then use that imagery to, to you know, create data in OpenStreetMap. We're tr we were trying to do the same thing. So we published, there's a blog post you can find if you search for it, but we have this vector tile layer. It's, you know, licensed for use within OpenStreetMap. It doesn't have all the data. See, the other thing is we need to have like, a business model and, <laughs> and all of that. Course. So, of course. so we, you know, we, we make available, it's really just the stuff that would honestly be an open street map anyway. So the name, the coordinates, the street cred category, which doesn't totally map to all the, the way that open street map does, does category tags, but you can, you can figure that out. And yeah, not the photos, not a lot of the other information that customers might be paying for, but but just that. Well, very cool, Randy. That, that's uh, very interesting to hear about this unique approach. But um, but I don't want to just talk on about StreetCred. I also want to spend a little bit of time talking more about Mapsend because it was such an influential company and spawned so many interesting projects. So maybe tell, tell us a bit about what Mapsend was and, and what exactly it worked on. And I mean, you had such a full stable of kind of the Neo Geo superstars working there. So it's really quite an impressive thing. Take us through that story very briefly. Yeah. So yeah, Ma Mapsend was a fascinating story and a, and a really great experience. I, let's see, after after MapQuest, I went into a startup 
And it was not, there were some geo components to it, but it was like a social address book search um, application. And at that time, I was just, I was still obviously watching what was happening in maps. And the key thing was Apple maps launched and, you know, everyone in geo remembers this. And I think Apple maps has done a great job at, you know, building and improving like the services they have even, you know, releasing stuff now. But at the time, I remember, you know, a lot of the embarrassing stories that would come out, a lot of them were POI related. And I was thinking a lot about how they did this in secrecy, right? So like, every, you know, everyone in Maps knew that Apple was working on, you know, a mapping application, but it wasn't very open. And when they, you know, released it, there were some issues with it. So I started talking, you know, when I was trying to figure out what to do next, I started talking to folks I used, you know, I'd worked with at Google and other places who were now at Samsung and they were doing some really interesting work with open source. So there was this project called Tizen, which was a mobile operating system that they were planning to release in in certain areas. And the the, the problem when you do that is, you you know, what are you going to do for maps, right? So when we initially started, the idea was to have, you know, just have this R&D effort with, you know, a lot of resources to try to improve and build up open source tools and, and open data so that you could have something that that could sit alongside a fully open source operating system. And I really like this approach because, you, you know, it's it, we, our, our model at the, in the early days of Mapsin was start where you are, because it's it seems kind of like, you know, it's, it's daunting, right? I, I remember way back in the day, when I announced MapQuest's involvement with OpenStreetMap. And we basically, we spun up this instance of MapQuest that was entirely using open source software, like Nominatum for search and, you know, all, you know I think MapNet for tiles and, and all that. And, you know, I remember using it and like, you couldn't like do turn by turn, you couldn't navigate from point A to point B the way that you can now. And I remember sitting there being like, oh my God, this is so, scary like are we are we ever going to be able to do this and then just a few years later due to efforts of the community and the efforts of like you know people supporting it you could do that all of a sudden so i really loved this idea of just building these tools and not like hiding the fact that it's you know that that it doesn't work but but making it making it really obvious in a way where if you you know were getting poor geocoding results because it was all open you'd be able to go in and fix the software. If it were a software problem, you could fix the data if it were a data problem. So we we had this like really early, it was, it was this maxim where you just could not use proprietary software or data for anything at all. And even if, even if it killed us, <laughs> you know, which I don't know, that's not why it killed us, but that was the thing. And we started out pretty slow and then we just started to snowball. And it was really interesting. You know, I, I remember like the, the people who, I was just, I was always in awe of the people who came and joined. The team was like, was so great. I remember I, one day I, I looked at my, my one-on-one schedule for the day and like every single person was someone who I had idolized, you know, like years before. And I was like, this is, this is really amazing. It was such an ambitious project. I mean, as someone looking at it from the outside, I mean, it was, it was the scope of it of like, okay, we're going to make maps, we're going to do geocoding, we're going to do routing, like, we're going to do all the software behind that, we're going to uh, build all the tools to improve the data. It was really, really quite impressive. Yeah, and it was it was chaotic, too, though, like, it, you know, in the early, this is really funny, like, in the early days, we knew that we wanted to be able to, to offer all of the services, but we didn't know 
like to what extent we were going to, what we were going to build on our own, what we were going to support externally. And then like, you know, for, if you've built a company, you know, that like the hiring, hiring doesn't work the way you expect, like people don't show up like when you expect them to show up, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? So we had in the early days, someone would show up with an idea or with a specific set of talents and be really interested in doing a certain thing. And then they would do that thing. And, you know, then it sort of like steamrolled into what we thought was a, you know, coherent strategy, <laughs> but it wasn't like, let's do navigation. Let's do, you know, it wasn't all of that at the very beginning. Like it took us actually a while to hire the Valhalla team who I had worked with at MapQuest previously. And now most of them are actually at Mapbox working on the same stuff, but that took a while to do. So there's a while when we just didn't, didn't have that. So it's really all about timing. And then the other, the other thing was we grew for about, I think it was about three years. And then we froze just for like, you know, corporate reasons. And then we went away. But like the last phase was actually, I think, pretty frustrating for people because the, that flexibility of like permanent growth wasn't, wasn't really there anymore. So like, I don't know, we did a lot of good work and it's, it's, it's now within the Linux foundation where I'm still involved, which is great as it, you know, that was, that was part of the ties in connection with Samsung too. And a lot of people are working on the same thing. So, so that's actually really cool as well. Yeah. I mean, much of the software is still in use across many different projects all across the internet. So congratulations to you and, uh, and everyone who was involved. Thanks. You gave a talk a couple of years ago. I think this must have been kind of, I don't know if it was in the middle of the Maps on Experience or kind of at the beginning of it, but it was all about the relationship between business and organizations and, and street maps. So I wonder, what's your perspective now, having a couple of years later? I think the talk was at the 2015 State of the Map US. How, yeah, do you, yeah. how do you see all that now, especially as we see, you know, much bigger companies like Facebook, not just getting involved, but, you know, a couple of weeks ago acquiring things like Mapillary. Mapbox has gotten bigger. On the other hand, we also have startups like my own business or Graphhopper or Thunder Forest. And we've had Andy on the show here. What's your perspective about the whole corporate ecosystem around OSM as someone who's been involved for a long time? Yeah, that, that talk was called OSMBA, which I, I wish I could just use that every few years um, and, and have it be new. But but yeah, the, the gist of it was just ex exploring the, the fraught history of OpenStreetMap community and and businesses and i think that the main point of it was that like unlike wikipedia which is this big you know wiki project like OpenStreetMap, they actually control the front end right they so wiki wikimedia controls how you access most people access most of this data whereas OpenStreetMap doesn't it's just a database which is great and that you know it, it's actually really interesting and really open that that spawns this corporate ecosystem but then it also causes tensions right so i think the open street map community is more not it, it's so hard to make generalizations but like it's more comfortable with like the smaller shops or the smaller shops who are like heavily involved in the community maybe a little bit less welcoming to bigger companies you know i, I think that the the problem is you know, bigger companies. And th th this is actually interesting because it reminds me of like when I was at, at MapQuest and, you know, we secured a million dollars within AOL in order to support OpenStreetMap. And we did mm -hmm. that. We did that before I even knew anything about how the dynamics at OpenStreetMap <laughs> work. So it was like, yeah, great, here, this is approved. And then it's like, well, what does that mean? Like, what does it actually mean to, to do that? You know, I think I, I didn't know if there were, you know, do you just give a, 
a, like a nonprofit money and then mapping happens. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't really know, know any of that stuff. The, the answer, especially then was no. So we wound up just, you know, using the money. Yes. Using it for some direct support, but also, you know, paying people to fix specific things in Mapnik or Nominatum we sponsored for quite a while. So yeah, so it, it's, it's just interesting how companies can actually help. And sometimes if you just don't have the context, you do the wrong thing. Like you wind up doing these large scale imports, which always, you know, blow up or all, you know, are often fraught with like with, with issues. Right. So, so yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's, it's actually working out kind of the way that I expected because when, when I was at MapQuest and I think Steve Coast was going to Microsoft at the time. And at the time I was like, Oh, like, this is totally what's going to happen. You're going to have all these companies with, huge budgets for data acquisition and eventually that's just all going to be open street map and i think you know we're not quite there yet but i think it's that that reality is a lot more here than than it ever was and it's just a matter of like how a family of companies and individuals and the community just kind of like gets along but yeah it's it's actually it's just a really interesting time for that just gets more interesting yeah, well, it's not without its stresses and strains, though. But I think it's important that we all remember. I mean, the OpenStreetMap is literally, in the truest sense of the word, a, a global project. And now it has such a big community with people with such different backgrounds and cultural contexts and things. And as a result, of course, there are sometimes going to be stresses and lack of understanding or apprehension when different groups get involved. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think if there's some goodwill from all parties, see, we can achieve something quite amazing. So, right. For sure. Okay. Well, as we, you know, we're, we're nearing the end of our discussion, but before we close out, let's, let's talk a bit about the bigger picture. I mean, as someone who's been in the industry for so long, what are the things that get you excited now? What are the new technologies or the new, I don't know, new business models, new dynamics? What, what are the things that you're looking forward to seeing how they progress in the coming years? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, obviously, you know, being, working on street card right now where this is the first time we've experimented with any kind of compensation which can be kind of a forbidden topic when it comes around open data i'm very interested in decentralization i'm very interested in like how you wind up doing global payments and in, in, in a way that makes sense that's you know not for the mapping industry as a whole i just i'm just I'm very interested in that on my own i i do think it's really exciting that you know, we have one of the problems we were trying to solve at, at MapsN was this was this sense that if you if you wanted to build ways, you know, some number of years ago, the first thing you had to do was build a navigation engine internally, mm-hmm. and that yeah, that was step one. So step one is like hire a ton of really experienced people to, to do that. Now we're at this phase where you don't have to do that, right? There are enough open source geocoders. There's enough open data out there where you can start to build better and more interesting products. And yeah, I just feel like we're in a, we're in a much better phase for that. I guess, I guess it's interesting. I haven't like, I guess I haven't, I was expecting to see dozens and hundreds of like new innovations built on top of these things as they get even easier. And I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I don't know. I'm curious. What do you, what do you think? I mean, have you, have you seen a, a lot of, a lot of this stuff happen? I've seen some, but like not, I was expecting this, like this waterfall of, you know, really interesting applications just based on that fact. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Well, you know, they say whenever there's a new technology in the beginning, people try to, 
take the old way of working and kind of shoehorn the the new technology in. I mean, so so a classic example would be when the internet came out. Basically, we took newspapers and made web pages that kind of looked like newspapers, right? And then only only once a kind of new generation comes comes along of people who have been native to the new technology did they figure out oh I don't have to you know lay out my content that way I can do it a totally different way and I can right. you know maybe I don't need journalists maybe instead everyone could everyone could put whatever they want and we'll give everyone a completely different feed and we'll you know so I think we're still at the very beginning of that in in geo with the you know as a society we're only learning now what it means that everyone always has a mobile phone with them mm-hmm. that of course, they can t- get information, they can take photos, they can take videos, but also the phone always knows where they are. Right. So we haven't quite yet unlocked. So what does that mean? What can we do with that? I, I, I think your project is quite interesting. And in some ways, it's related to one company that I always quite admired that I felt was at the forefront of these things a couple years ago was Foursquare mm-hmm. with the kind of gamification. And, you know, over time, they kind of moved away from that a bit. But I, I think there's a lot of room for people who come with completely new concepts. Because right. like you said, the, the, the foundational technologies are now there, be it right, the data, right. be it, be it the, the, soft, the first layer of software on top of that. It's now there in, in a good enough form. You know, of course, it can always still be improved. But, but now the question is, OK, we have, we have the pieces, we have the blocks. What are we going to build with that? Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I looked at, I, I was a big user of Foursquare uh, back, back in the day. And that definitely was, a, was an influence in, in what we're doing now. I mean, in, in our case it's less like there's less of the social like network aspect of it. It's more of like the gamification of creating data, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess with maps and when I was like thinking of the ways example and you know, how it would be good to make turn by turn navigation, for example, you know, more because ways is basically turn by turn navigation plus like social, you know, social data sharing, you know? Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting to see like as, as new models emerge, how they'll get mixed up with geo and yeah i guess a lot a lot of good stuff will come from that well those are exactly the topics you try to explore at geomob be it on here on the podcast or our different events so hopefully at some point we'll be able to get you at an event or or maybe someone else from the street cred team i don't know if you have anything in europe planned or is that oh uh, that... yeah i mean i would love to i cannot wait to travel again, <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah we're we're fairly focused on southeast asia now but europe Europe for sure. I would love to. I would love to travel and see people. That would be so so amazing for so many reasons. Sure, I think we're all looking forward to it. All right, ready. That's that's all for today. So, uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you and learn more about you, you, your work, your projects? Sure. So yeah, you can check out Street Credit StreetCred.co. I'm on Twitter at Randy Me R A N D Y M E. And yeah, I guess that's it. And there's all, all, always LinkedIn. Just search for my name. Okay, cool. We'll get all that linked up in the notes. Great. Good chat, man. Thanks for talking. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye. Thanks everyone for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Steven at Steven Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. 
We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and of course seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.